Wow, I feel like I'm going to be on America, American Idol or America's Got Talent. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Wow, awesome, awesome story. Let's just, uh, can you guys just extend a hand to the kids? Um, you know, the, the Bible says a generation of the upright will be blessed. So let's just pray for them and the teachers. <laughs> Father God, we just thank you so much for your word, Lord. We thank you for all the promises, Lord, that children are a gift. Lord, even those days when they don't feel like a gift, God, they really are. And we pray right now, Lord, I pray again that you would do profound things in that room, in the rooms where the kids are learning about you. Pour out your spirit, God. Bring revelation of who you are, Jesus. I pray that it wouldn't just be a time of them being babysat or entertained, but God, that these, these teachings and the, and the things that they hear would be life-changing. I pray for your protection and your covering and your spirit to overwhelm each and every one of them, Lord. Let them know how loved they are by you. I pray that you'd give each one of the teachers grace. Give them insight, give them discernment, Lord, give them patience. Help them to know which kids need to have a special um, attention today, Lord, which kids are just really broken today. I pray you'd just show them if, the, if there are kids in there that are being bullied or abused or in any way defiled, God. I pray that you would just um, help those teachers be really sensitive to your voice and your spirit. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, we are continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, what, we've, what we've learned so far is that Jesus does not, he's not playing games. He's, he's pretty serious about this, this thing. And uh, today, I'm excited to say the word is completely practical. It's, it's a very... Um, simple message, but it's not an easy message. Um, it's, it's one of the most, I would say this is one of the sections in the Bible where the most cliches or colloquialisms come from, or the most uh, amount of sayings that are just kind of worked into the everyday language. You know, many of the expressions that we use actually come from the Bible. Um, you know the saying, the skin of their teeth? Have you heard that thing? Oh, wow, that guy got, you know, he made it by the skin of his teeth. That actually comes from the book of Job. Isn't that weird? Skin of your teeth. I don't know. I don't know about your teeth. I mean, there are days, some days, it feels like it. But <laughs> So today, I just, I, I'm excited to bring this word, because we're going to be talking about an eye for an eye, and turning the other cheek, and giving the shirt off your back. And going the extra mile. So we're going to be talking about things that, that philosophically are very basic, but practically speaking, they are very difficult. And uh, we're going to talk about some examples. I have some fun stories to share with you. You know, how God will always kind of work a message into my heart whenever I'm studying a particular thing, I usually have to go through it. And so this week, it's, it's been really interesting how, how God has taught me about this particular passage. So if you would, 
Read with me Matthew 5, 38. Let's read it out loud. You have heard the law that says, you guys have it up there? The punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Easy, right? Easy stuff, right? Turning the other cheek, no problem. False. (laughs) This is some of the most difficult stuff to do in real life. I mean, we'd like to think, oh, of course, if someone asks me to go one mile, I'll go the second mile. But what if it's uphill? What if it's 100 degrees? How much does that backpack weigh? You know, these are all considerations that we have to have as we think about honoring and obeying God. Um, First of all, the context of this particular passage, remember, again, Jesus was talking to the Jews. Matthew was Jewish, so he wrote everything from a Jewish perspective. And so Jesus is talking about a law that had been implemented long before, and this is really talking about the judicial system at the time in a very corrupt society where where what what they were saying essentially was that the punishment must fit the crime in other words it early in those days before they had to implement this particular law say for example if uh if if Jason had a cow that's another saying. Jason had a cow. <laughs> but if Jason had a cow and I went in and killed it accidentally. During that time, in their estimation, it was okay for Jason to come and kill me or kill one of my kids. So that law had to be implemented to say, no, no, no. If, if you kill someone's cow, then you have to give them a cow. Do you understand? So it's an eye for an eye. This is not saying, yeah, actually pluck out your eye like Jesus said earlier on when he was talking about lust. (laughs) This is talking about keep it equal. This was not talking about interpersonal relationships. This was talking about the, the society and the courts. So when Jesus says this, you know, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And then Jesus totally flips it around, classic Jesus. He turns it completely around, and he turns it into something personal. He's saying, don't resist an evil person. Someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Um, An eye for an eye. We're going to start with this section. Um, You've heard the law says a punishment must match the injury. Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So now let's get this in perspective. As Believers and disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to be, what are some of the things that we're called to be character-wise? Anybody? I'm sorry? The salt of the earth. Called to be forgiving, merciful, honest, patient, kind, Loving, self-controlled, gentle. 
We are not of this world, the Bible says. We are called to be other than. We are called to be different. Not just weird, but different than the world. You know, you... Never mind, I won't go into that. Just don't be weird, okay? Thank you. (laughs) We are called to follow a guy of whom it is said he was despised and rejected. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with deepest grief. That's our leader. That's our example. Now, Jesus wasn't despised and rejected because he was a bad guy or because he did horrible things to people. He was despised and rejected because he was an example and he demonstrated to other people the religious people, how they did not meet that standard. They did not live up to that standard of holiness. Jesus was totally misunderstood. We are going to be misunderstood. Jesus was rejected. We will be rejected. Jesus laid down his life. We are called to lay down our lives. We are called to be different. We should not look like our coworkers or our neighbors. We're called to be completely otherworldly. Does this make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? So when it says in Isaiah 53, 7, it says, he, this is a prophecy talking about what is going to happen to Jesus when he is crucified. It says, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent, Before it shears, he did not open his mouth. This is the guy that we are supposed to emulate. He was treated harshly, but he didn't retaliate. He didn't come back and go, well, you're worse, because he could have, right? He was perfect. So every accusation that was leveled against him, first of all, was false, and second of all, he could have leveled it against those people as well. You know, I I think I've told you guys about this. Um, I went to high school with the guy who is the world's world's fastest sheep shearer, and he took his sheep. We had a we had our class reunion on his little farm, and uh, and so he I was like kind of challenging him. I'm like, I don't think you're really that fast. I don't really think you can really shear because I really wanted to see it. And so he ran and he got the sheep, and as soon as they like pull it back this way. Like the sheep, I mean, he's just sitting there, you know, just like this. And they completely stop. Like, they'll be running around. You know, they're running all over the place. And all of a sudden, they grab him and literally, they just stop. And that's what it's saying. It says, Jesus, as a, as a lamb is led before his shear is a silent, so he uttered not a word. He didn't retaliate. He wasn't, like, flailing. He just sat there like one of those sheep. Um, we just watched well, one of the Hobbit movies the other night and there was a line in there and I thought this is so good Uh, the great theologian Gandalf the Grey said your pride will be your downfall think about that your pride will be your downfall isn't that so true remember the Bible says that pride comes before destruction ugh So if Jesus, the lamb who is led before his shears is silent, what should we do? 
Should we defend ourselves and stick up for our rights? And, you know, I think, I think it's our tendency to, to lean more toward the eye for the eye principle that, but that, but we think that that means, oh, well, they did that to me, so I'm going to do that back to them. That is not what that means. This is saying we are to become like Jesus. We are to become humble and meek. Not Remember the word meek doesn't mean weak. It means like a horse who's under control of his master that just a slight touch of the hand will turn it. Or, you know, little just a little movement. We are called to be that way, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And, and just like I prayed for the kids, for us to be aware of what's going on around us. I am the worst at this. I mean, I, I have a tendency to just kind of go about my day and miss stuff. Do you guys miss stuff? And then you find out later, <clears throat> excuse me, you find out something's going on or someone's going through something and you're like, oh, I totally missed it. I just, I'm, I'm so impressed that I, you know, when we sing that song, even so calm, come Lord Jesus. Like I, I am longing for him to come back. That's why I wore white today. I'm like, I'm ready, Jesus. <laughs> like a bride waiting for her groom. just want to be like him. I want to be like him. I don't want to be like me. I want to be like him. And so he turned the other cheek. Matthew 5, it says, I, I say, don't resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other cheek also. And this word, when we go back and it says, don't resist an evil person, that's talking about the same, it's the same word as um, standing against like the devil. It's the same word, you know, where it says in Ephesians 6 that we should, you know, resist. Or maybe it's James. Resist the devil and he will flee. That's James. Okay, that's the same word. We're not supposed to do that. We're not supposed to stand against an evil person. The, the definition is to stand against, to oppose, to resist, to withstand. We do not do this to people. We are not to do this to people, even evil people. Now, a lot of times people use this as an excuse. They say, oh, well, we're just called to be doormats. No, we are not called to be doormats. If the God that we serve is a just God, do you really think that he would be someone that would just want us to be abused or want us to be taken advantage of in that way, in a way that is unjust, it's inconsistent with this character. So, but what this is talking about is turning the other cheek, not defending yourself as far as standing up for your rights and, and slapping the person back. You know, it says um, that the disciples, even when they went into Jerusalem, uh, in Luke 9, it says, the people of the village didn't welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. This is talking about the Samaritans, so they didn't like the Jews. And Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem because he was Jewish. And so it says, when James and John saw this, they said, Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? <laughs> Isn't that just like us? Oh, they kicked me off. 
can we, can we call down fire and burn those guys up? It's just like little kids, you know, mom, he hit me. It's like, you know, what the little kid is essentially saying is, will you go hit him too? Right? There's, it's always taking it beyond. It's not enough. Mom, he hit me. Well, what did you do? Well, I hit him first. You know, they never seem to share that part of the conversation. But this is so typical of us too, isn't it? We're like, we see the evil things in the world and we're just like, God, do something. I mean, one of the verses that brings me comfort, and I know this is going to sound really weird, but there's a verse in Romans and it says, for because of, it's talking about all these evil things that are going on. And this is back in Rome and Rome was pretty corrupt. And it says, for because of such things, the wrath of God comes upon those who are disobedient. Again, not the kind of scripture that you, you know, have a little, have it up over your sink in your kitchen. For because of such things, the wrath of God comes upon those who are disobedient. But it is comforting to know that it is God's to avenge. You know, that's what he says. He goes, it is mine to repay. When we release it into the hands of God, we can trust his character that he is just, he is good, he is always right. We not, are not necessarily always right. So at this point, I would like to ask for a volunteer. Somebody want to come on up here? Okay, you guys are smarter than that. You think, she's going to make me pluck out my eye. All right, come on up. Let's do this. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little... Uh... Yeah, thank you, Lisa. Let's give Lisa a hand. <laughs> Literally. Okay, so, again, context. How many of you think that we should read the Bible in context? We should know historically what's going on. We should know, I mean, the word of God is eternal. So that means it's going to last forever. Okay? So we should be students of the Bible. I know this is really kind of convicting because I also know that all of the forces of hell want to keep us from reading the Bible. Because it is, a, it is living and active. It is life. It is our life blood. And even I sometimes, and I'm not saying like even I, but I'm just saying, I'm just being, keeping it real. That there are times where I'm like, I don't, I don't feel like it sometimes. And I don't necessarily always go into the, the Bible and think, I'm going to get life out of this. Even though I know from so many years of having read it, I know that it's going to bring me life. But the context of this particular passage was, okay, so you notice how it says, if he slaps you on the right cheek, okay? So Lisa, you get to slap a pastor today. <laughs> you get to slap me. But in those days, it was the worst insult because, because it was considered kind of a curse to be left-handed back then. So you did everything with your right hand. So hold up your right hand. So you can't slap me. You can't slap my left, left cheek, first of all, because I have a mic here. But also, because it says, slap me on the right cheek. So it's boom, that way. It's a backhand like this. Okay, do it again. Boom. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Give her a hand. <laughs> Give her a right hand. Okay. <laughs> okay, so you see, it's like this, and that was considered the supreme insult, the absolute 
most degrading thing that you could imagine was boom, slap somebody on the right cheek. Okay, does that make sense? So you do it with your right hand, so you have to do it this way. And in the same way, it's like, do you remember, probably a lot of you don't remember this, but back when uh, George W. Bush was the president, remember a guy chucked a shoe at him? I mean, big deal. Like in America, we're like, oh, the guy chucked a shoe at me. It wasn't like he was trying to throw the shoe to try to hurt him. It was like he was saying, this is the worst insult. And it, this, was, this was the same thing. To slap someone backhanded was like the worst insult. And so Jesus is saying, if, he's, if someone slaps you, turn to them your other cheek. He's not saying like, you know, put yourself in the position of being abused. But what he's saying is, is to stand up as a person of God and a person of dignity and not to, and not to cower, but to stand up and, and, and to say, you know, go ahead. Not to challenge someone. Does this make sense? Not to challenge someone as if, you know, like I'm a glutton for punishment, but to stand up and, and to just say, you know, if you're going to degrade me, I will not be degraded by you because we know who we are in Christ and we know that we are children of God. And so it's really different than what we typically think. We typically think that it's saying, well, if someone slaps you, you know, then you probably deserve it. And so you should let them continue to slap you. No, it's not saying that. It's saying that if they've insulted you to that level, you cannot be torn down by that. Because remember, the Bible says the fear of man is a snare. That if we fear what other people think, rather than fearing the one who could throw our souls into hell, which he won't, hallelujah, thank God. But we are doing it unto him. And that as we stand there and, and turn the other cheek, it's basically saying, I, I'm not going to be torn down by your opinion of me or by what you say about me. However, in Romans 12, it does say, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who, are, who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all things that you can live in peace with everyone. So back here, when it says, don't curse them, pray that God will bless them. What? Seriously? You mean the person that just flipped me off on the freeway? I am supposed to bless them now? No, I am going to speed up and get in front of them and show them. No, that's what we want to do, isn't it? When we're on the freeway, come on, admit it, you guys. I'm not the only one. You're like, you cut me up. No, that is, we're called to be people who say, Lord, bless that person. Because it's really hard to stay mad at somebody that you're praying blessings on. Right? It's really hard to stay ticked off. I almost said something else. It's really hard to stay angry with someone who you're praying that God would bless them. <clears throat> so it says in Romans 12, 19, dear friends, 
never take revenge. The title of the message today is Revenge, How to Give Up. And I mean up, to give it up unto the Lord. We don't take revenge. We don't take an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. It says, never take revenge, but leave that to the righteous anger of God. For scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. This is one of those things you have to believe by faith. You really just have to trust that God is just and that he is good. And the Bible says he is our defender. One of my favorite passages as of the last year is, he is the defender of the widows. I have leaned on that scripture so many times and just said, God, you're my defender. I don't need to defend myself. You are my defender. It says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, okay, here's the instead. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Okay, so when we read this, we think, yeah, heap burning coals on their head. Because it it sounds inconsistent with what he's saying. He's saying, don't take revenge. Contextually, this, what's happening here, again, in those days, if your fire went out in your house, that was a very bad thing. You'd be cold. You wouldn't have anything with which to cook. So heaping burning coals meant that you would take the coals and give them to that person and give them an abundance of hot coals so that they could keep the fire going in their home. This was like one, remember that the example of washing people's feet, it was kind of a degrading it was like the, the lowest form of service is to wash someone's feet. Heaping coals was, was pretty close to that too. This is like a really kind of a, a something that it's a subservient act, you know, that you're, you're basically humbling yourself and serving that person by heaping burning coals. It's actually a good thing. So they would carry the coals on their head because that makes sense, right? Because they didn't have shopping carts back then. So they would give them these burning coals, and then they would be able to take them back. So this is saying instead of taking revenge, instead of doing something rude or mean or equal to what they did to you, bless them. Okay? This is so countercultural, is it not? Jesus says to pretty much give the person the shirt off your back. It says if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat also. So this, I mean, this doesn't seem like a big deal to us because most of us are trying to offload clothes, aren't we? Like most of us have way too many clothes. But historically, back then, your coat also doubled as like a sleeping bag. So basically, your coat was something that you, that you needed. If you, were, if you were on a journey and you needed to sleep in the desert, your coat was something, it was actually a, a it's, it was actually not just like coat. It was like your subsistence. Because you know in the desert it gets cold at night. So it was unlawful for someone to sue you and to take your shirt and your coat. Because your coat was basically something that kept you alive. 
So what Jesus is saying here is if someone wants your shirt, give them your shirt and give them your coat also, which is another way of him saying laying down your life for someone else. And it doesn't mean necessarily just that one time, you know, stepping in front of a bullet for someone, but it means giving yourself up, giving up your own agenda. This whole passage here is supposed to be moving us away from self-centeredness and about feeling like we are self-sufficient and we have to take care of ourselves. This is talking about loving others, doing unto others what you would have them do unto you, not what they've done unto you. I think we misinterpret that a lot of times. Do unto others as they've done unto you, period. Doesn't that sound like a, a way better way to live? I mean, according to our flesh, but Jesus is calling us to be other than. He's calling us to be different. He's calling us to look differently than our neighbors. And he's also saying, if you're sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat as well. Do you know that the Bible says Christians are not supposed to sue other Christians? Do you know that? It says that that is a horrible example to the world. We are never supposed to sue other believers. We are supposed to try to work it out. That can be a bit of a challenge in some cases. Luke 17, it says, remember what happened to Lot's wife? If you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let your life go, you will save it. There are scientific studies that link the giving side of our brain to the happiness side of our brain. They're actual scientific, they're not Christian studies, but they say that when we give, there's something about our brain, some chemical reaction that we become happier. Doesn't that seem so contrary to, to what we think? We think, well, if I give it away, then I won't have any more. That's just the opposite of the way that God thinks. Last night, um, I, went, I went out to a restaurant and... I had this adorable waitress, and she was, she was just, I just loved her, and she and I just got into this long conversation, and at the end of the conversation, she goes, you know what, I'm going to buy you a meal, and I'm like, no, you don't need to do that, she goes, no, I'm going to, and I could just tell, it was like there, something happened in her, like it lifted her spirit to, to do that for me, you know? I just, it was like I watched it happen. Because when she first came up to my table, she was a little cold and kind of, you know, but then I just watched her just soften and become just, she was absolutely delightful. And it was so cool because I watched it happen. And how many times have you given something to someone and you, like, it feels so good, doesn't it? Like, it, there's no greater feeling than that. It's like, oh, that was so fun. But everything within us wants to keep us from doing that because we have that thing that says, oh, if I give it away, then I won't have it. I just want to challenge that thinking. Challenge you. Be generous. You know, go the extra mile. If a soldier demands you carry his gear for a mile, carry it for two. Okay, so you know the word mile really means um, thousand steps. Did you know that? That's really where it originated. It's like this super random amount of feet. How many feet is a mile? Anybody? 5,280. Eight. Okay, something like that. Okay, math. Um, 
And so, so back in these days, if a soldier demanded that you carry their, their bag or their gear or whatever for one mile, it says, carry it for two. We're supposed to go above and beyond. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, a generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I have this awesome story. So, yesterday, um, I, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been doing a lot better in the grief department. For those of you who don't know, my husband passed away a little over a year ago, and it's been a pretty sucky year in that way. Um, God is good. God is near to the brokenhearted. He's comforted me, but it has been challenging on many levels. So <clears throat> yesterday, um, I was having kind of a rough day, and I could just kind of feel that grief was just kind of like right here. And, and uh, I, I do want to say, though, I can tell that I'm, that I'm getting better because you know how in your emojis you have your most common ones? The tear isn't even in my most common ones anymore. So, yay! <laughs> so I know that there's growth. Um, but yesterday was kind of one of those days where I just, I was just missing him so much. I just was just missing his humor, mostly. And his strength, because I had to haul stuff. <laughs> so um, I, I, uh, I went to Costco. I have a friend who's coming next week, and she's a missionary to the Congo. And she, I... I went to Israel with her and she's such a blast and she's coming and so I had to get our guest room ready because I didn't have the bed set up and I didn't have a mattress and everything so I went over to Costco and first of all you know they don't deliver so I got one of those well if you order it online but I got one of those you know flatbed like cart things and so here I am loading this like foundation for queen size bed and then like loading this mattress I get it all on this flat bed and and so and I'm I'm standing there and then I start to go and there's a pole and it's like there's no way around it and I mean I have just wrestled with this this mattress and so so I'm standing there like so I had to move everything over back again, go take another flatbed, come around the other side, and then load it all up. And I was trying to keep a good attitude, but I, at this point, I was kind of like, oh, this is not very much fun right now. And so I loaded it on there, took it up to the front, and realized I have no idea how I am going to get this home. Not the brightest bulb on the tree. <laughs> and so I just said, so now keep in mind, I've still got this, this grief right here. Frustrated, going, where's my husband? He bailed on me. He's not here to help me. And, uh, and so I'm standing at the checkout. I'm just like, Lord, you're the defender of the widows. You know. I said, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, please don't think I'm trying to set this example of, you know, the name it, claim it kind of a thing. But I just said, Lord, I don't know, what, I don't know how to do this. Can you please provide a way for me? And so, you know, I check out <laughs> thinking, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. And so then the guy says, well, 
<clears throat> you know, we'll just we'll just put pull this to the side and then you can run run and get your truck or however it is that you're gonna haul this home. And I'm like <laughs> I said, um, I I don't have a truck. And he goes, Well, maybe you can just, you know, go get go get your husband or and I was like, Well, I'm a widow and and I don't, I really don't have any idea how I'm going to get this home. <laughs> and the guy just looks at me like, you are an idiot. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> so the girl um, behind the counter, Tiffany, she goes, I'll give you a ride home. I have a truck. And I looked at her. I'm like, what? I go, are you serious? I said, I will pay you. She goes, no. No, my mom just just lost her husband two years ago so I have a real heart for widows so I want to help you and I am completely overwhelmed at this point with emotion and so as we're walking out trying to locate where they took my mattresses you'd think it would be hard to lose two mattresses but anyway so we're walking out and she looks at me and I said you are like an angel and she goes you're a believer aren't you now, it might have been my six-inch cross that I had around my neck that might have been the first clue. <laughs> I said, yeah, I am. And she goes, God knew. She goes, God knew. And I said, I was, I was not trying to be overly spiritual. I said, but to be honest with you, Tiffany, I prayed. And I just said, Lord, can you please provide a way? So Tiffany, my little angel, and her husband came to my house. She didn't get off work till 8.30. They came to my house hauled the mattress. They wouldn't even let me help them. They hauled the mattress in downstairs. And I tried to give them like a, a gift card, you know, to go out. And I said, here, just take this. And they're like, no, don't rob us of our blessing. Isn't that the coolest story? Yeah. Yay, God. Yay, God. The generous person will prosper. If you refresh others, you yourself will be refreshed. That After they did that, I texted her, and I'm just like, I can't even tell you how much you blessed me today. And she goes, nope. She goes, I was more blessed than you were. She goes, I'm so humbled that the Lord would let us do that. She goes, I'm so honored and humbled. I'm thinking, this is like a win-win, you know? And the Bible says that we should give to those who ask. Now, I wasn't asking her, but she clearly saw that I had a need. Jesus says, give to those who ask. Don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Now, the context. It was awesome that you talked about the food for the soul. This is a perfect setup for this. Because I often get that question from people. Well, you know, all the homeless people, the Bible says, give to those who ask. They're asking. So should we do that? Once again... You have to know what the Bible says in the whole council, in the context. And the Bible does say each person should carry their own load or their own burden. There's a word for it in the Greek. It's fortion, which means each person should carry their own, their own load, <laughs> which is what I already said. It's kind of like the freight on a ship. Each person has their own. They should carry their own. They should carry their own burden. Okay, and so the whole counsel of God says that those who won't, don't work, don't eat, and it says that, you know, the, that you should 
you should do whatever is in the best interest of people. So if you know that someone is just going to take that cash and use it for drugs, is that really in the best interest of that person? It is not. It is enabling them to continue to destroy themselves. So you can say, well, the Bible says give to those who ask, but it is also saying that each person should carry their own load, not meaning that we should not have mercy and compassion for those who are down and out or those who are hurting or broken, but it is saying don't enable people to hurt themselves. That is not beneficial to those people. And again, this whole thing is trying to move us away from selfishness. Jesus isn't saying this. He's saying it's good for us to give. Remember, Jesus says it is better to give than what? Is that true? It is better to give. Why is it better to give? It means you have something to offer. When you're in the position of receiving, it means that you're the one in need. So it's always better to give. I mean, think about Tiffany. Tiffany was able to give to me. I was the one who was needy. You understand? And so, of course, we are show, we're supposed to show compassion and mercy, and we're supposed to love people and love the poor, but we aren't, in the same way that we aren't supposed to just go up and hand them drugs, we should help them to get better. Send them to people, send them to the food for the soul, send them to the rescue mission or somewhere where they can get long-term help. That is what Jesus would ask us to do. Not just to hand them five bucks so they're going to go drink it away. That, that is not consistent with the whole counsel of God. And, and I want to say to, I mean, this is one of those disputable matters. I mean, some people say, nope, you should just give it to them and just, just you know, trust that God knows best. So I, I, don't, I don't mean to sound too dogmatic on this, <clears throat> but I do think it is wise to take the Bible in its entirety. And what does the Bible say about these things? Yes, we are to give to the poor. Yes, we are to help those who are broken and destitute. But we also need to use wisdom and discretion. In Matthew 6, it says, give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. It's so much fun to be able to give, and the person has no idea that it came from you. Again, there's like a, there's some kind of a euphoric chemical reaction that happens. It is something so amazing. I mean, yes, it's nice to have the person come and thank you, but there is nothing like giving in secret, giving anonymously. How many of you have ever been a recipient of an anonymous gift? Isn't it the most incredible thing? So amazing. So I just want to challenge you and ask you this. You ready? Buckle your seatbelt. Are you a giver? Or are you a taker? It can't really be both. Either you're generous and you give sacrificially, or you're a taker. 
And you're blessing the other person. I mean, you could use that logic, go, well, it's kind of my ministry to allow other people to be blessed more than me by giving to me. (laughs) Could twist it like that. But again, we are called as Christians, as disciples of Jesus, to go above and beyond. Did I offend you guys? I'm so sorry. (laughs) Just kidding. To go above. No, two of the most generous people in the universe right there. I'm sorry. They're so embarrassed. Yeah. (laughs) We are called to go above and beyond what is owed us or what is expected. And, And this is in the area of serving, serving other people giving, helping others. It's not about a checklist. It's not about a to-do list. It's about being blessed. It's about being blessed, and it's about getting to partner with God in blessing other people. That's what it's about. And that's why I don't understand why people don't want to serve, why they don't want to get involved even in, in the life of the adventure, why they, why they don't want to become part of it. Because you get so much more blessed as long as your attitude is, as long as it's between you and the Father. And that whatever you do is unto the Lord. Whatever we do is unto him. The Father who sees what we do, it's unto him. All of this is unto him. Okay? And I know, again, it's, it sounds so basic, but I know that this is a challenge. But I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you. Turn the other cheek. Be be that person. Be other than. Go the extra mile. Go above and beyond what is expected of you. Go beyond. Give to to the person who asks you. If If they want to take your shirt, give them your coat as well. Be a person who honors the Lord in that way and becomes more and more like Christ because ultimately God even knows that we are selfish by nature. He even uses our selfishness to motivate us because it is better to give than to receive. I'm not going to take another offering, so in case you're wondering about that, but I am going to offer you something awesome, and it's Angela Winston is going to come up, and she is going to sing a song for us today. I love this woman. She and I, we were actually separated at birth. We're actually twins. (laughs) I love her so much. And she, she is a person who, she has this amazing gift. And she uses it for the glory of God. And, and I know she could be famous and she could go and she could do this for the world and for herself, but she does it to build up Christians. I know that the motivation in her heart is to build us up and to inspire and to encourage us. So I know she's going to be so mad at me for saying this. Wow. Good prayer. That's a good prayer. Why don't you stand all together? Let's pray. Lord, Jesus, thank you so much, Lord, that you are the God of paradox that the greatest among us is a servant of all, and that if we seek to save our lives, we'll lose it, and that if we humble ourselves, we'll be exalted. God, everything is so upside down and backwards from the way the world thinks. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we surrender. Lord, we know we can't do this on our own. 
this is otherworldly, Lord. It is supernatural. And we ask, can you just lift your hands as a sign that you want to surrender? Lord, we, we just ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflowing, Lord. We surrender. We know that we can't do this on our own. We need you. We need you, Lord. Show us, God. Speak to us this week. Give us opportunities to lay down our lives and to give and to turn the other cheek and to go the extra mile, to give the shirt off our back. Lord, we ask that we would be generous, that we would be givers. Lord, that we would stop being takers. We would be givers. We would be generous. Lord, we would go beyond even what is logical and give and do it unto you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have never heard what it means to be a Christian or you, you wonder, what, what does it mean to be born again? This is, this is what the gospel is, the good news of Jesus Christ. We cannot do this on our own. We cannot save ourselves. All of our good works are considered worthless compared to Jesus Christ, who is God, who became human and came and lived a perfect and a sinless life and offered himself as a sacrifice so that we could live, so that we could be reunited with our maker. Jesus went to the cross to die on behalf of us, and that's really what the gospel is, what the good news is. If you have never heard this, first and foremost, or you've never received the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers you, the freedom that Jesus offers you, I just want to let you know it's available today. He offers it freely. He is the most generous. And if that's you, if you have never, can we just, can we just bow our heads and close our eyes as a, just as a courtesy? If you have never received Jesus, would you just slip your hand up? And just say, Lord, I want to receive your forgiveness. I want to receive. I want to know you. I want to be born again. I want to be born of your spirit. Amen. 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 So for those of you who, um, who raised your hands, I just want to say, you know, talk to the person that brought you here and just tell them that you slipped your hand up. They'll be so excited. They'll be so, so happy to hear that. And for those of you who are feeling a little bit uncomfortable uh, sharing the gospel with people or talking to people about it, I just want to let you know, just invite them to come to church. I know it's hard to get people to come to church but just invite them, and I promise we will, we will bring the message of the gospel each and every time, every time we gather together, because it is the power of God. It is everything. Okay, so be bold, okay? Father, I just pray for these believers. I pray you would give them a spirit of boldness. I pray, God, that they would step out of their comfort zone. Lord, you would expand them in not only in giving, but in their boldness of proclaiming freedom for the captives. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.